So welcome to Westside Family Church. Good morning. It is so good to see you. Uh, the red is sort of like messing me up a little bit. Uh, go Chiefs, you know, it's going to be a big day for us. Welcome here, uh, Lenexa, at our North Sanctuary, our South Sanctuary, those of you watching online in our awesome Speedway campus. Uh, what you just saw was just nothing short of a miracle of God's work amongst us. And if you're our guest today, we're so excited to have you. God has us on a very awesome journey. He's really spoken to us and said, hey, over the next couple years, I want you guys to get really good at coming alongside of people inside the walls of Westside as well as outside the walls of Westside and meet them at their point of pain that it might draw them closer to me, the true answer for their life. And so we've really gotten after that, and we're calling it unshakable. And at the end of the year, we got together and we pulled together our collective generosity. And listen to this, uh, we have increased our giving by 43%. Isn't that incredible? And, and as a result, we're gonna be able to do a number of things like stand up an even larger care center uh, and we've already brought on six new uh, counseling interns uh, because of our generosity. And another of the many initiatives we have is to take the 12,000 people who call Westside home and break them into small little armies to be the hands and feet of Jesus right around them to each other and then to the people in between. And we're calling these area communities and we're launching 11 of them this year. People who live in the same elementary school area. And the first one uh, we launched is Prairie Ridge uh, Area Community community, people who live in the Prairie Ridge area, and we launch by having them share the worship service for four Sundays right next door in the South Sanctuary, and this is week four for them, so they're getting ready to go. We're going to jump over there right now, and when we do, let's give them a hand and encourage them on. So let's go into the South Sanctuary. Can we do that? There we are. Let's give it up for our, our uh, Prairie Ridge area community, Pastor Brad. Woo! So, Brad, this is uh, week four. What do you guys have in store? Yeah, well, first and foremost, good morning, Randy. Good morning, Westside. Not only is it Chief Sunday, but it's Prairie Ridge Sunday. After four weeks of gathering together today, Prairie Ridge gets to hear more about what's next. And also, I'm no Cheryl Ladd, but they'll also receive this very good-looking Prairie Ridge T-shirt today as we launch our very first area community. So today is T-shirt day. Now, if there is uh, somebody here that's in the 930 service and you live in Prairie Ridge and you want to get on the tail end of this, is there still room for them in the room? Absolutely. We encourage all Westsiders in the North Sanctuary or out in the building today to come on over right now or come see us right after today's service. Hear more about what's happening. Get your t-shirt as well. Absolutely. Westsidefamily.church slash prairie dash ridge. Uh, you can get in part of, on the part. Now, hey, Brad. Oh, do we, do we still have Brad? Hey, Brad. The, yeah. But this is not the only one, right? Uh, what's, who's coming next? No, Randy, you know we're going to be launching 11 area communities this year in Riverview. Get ready because we're coming to you next. That is fantastic. Those of you who live in the Riverview Elementary School area, you're coming the Sunday after uh, Resurrection Sunday. So your turn will be next. Get ready for that. Now, today... Uh, we are finishing a very, very important series called God's Word. Can you finish the tagline? God's Word. We live and die by it. This is very important to Westside Family Church. It's one of our seven driving values. We embrace it and we believe it with all of our heart. Now, this is a really big ask of people that they would submit their life and the authority of their life over to an ancient book. Why would anybody in America do that? 
And the reason you would do that is because you believe that this book is actually the very word of God. And that this one true God who breathed life into it has a desire to show you the pathway to the life that is really life. You would embrace the Bible as the authority in your life if you believe the God behind this book is a good God who loves you and wants the best for you and not only leads you to abundant life now, but ultimately eternal life forever and ever in his presence. And so this series, we wanted to give you an opportunity to think about where you're at. And so over the uh, four weeks, we started off in week one with asking and answering the question, where did the Bible come from? And I invited you to actually memorize the five-fold process. Was anybody here on week one? Raise your hand if you're here on week one. Some of you were. Raise your hand higher. Come on, church. You can do that. Uh -huh. There you go. Uh, so we gave you an, uh, uh, some letters, R-I-T-T-T. -T -T. Remember that? R-I-T-T-T. -T -T. Let's see if you remember it. Ready? The R stands for revelation. The I stands for inspiration. The first T, transmission. The second T, translation. And the final T, transformation. The second week, we dealt with the topic of is the Bible reliable and got into some heavy stuff to give you confidence uh, that the Bible is, in fact, the word of God. Then last week, we dealt with case study number one. Case study number one looked at a contemporary issue that is a bit gnarly, and it was on Right to Life Sunday, and we opened up the scriptures and asked the question, what does the Bible say about life? What does the Bible say about death? What does the Bible say about women's rights? What does the Bible say about forgiveness? And we all leaned in as the scriptures spoke to us, and uh, I was so proud of you. And uh, we are living in a culture in America today where 74%, the vast majority, believe it is the right of a, another person to take the life of another person if that person is in the womb. And God's word has something different to say about that. And we ask you to draw a line in the sand. And some of you are still processing that, and that's okay. Keep coming. And others of you said, I am, I'm all in. Today, we're going to finish the series with case study number two. Case study number two is actually how this is lived out in the life of a real person. It is hard to live out the truths of God's word in our schools today, and in the workplace, and in Kansas City. But I tell you, it's even harder to live it out in Hollywood. And so today, a good friend of Roseanne and ours uh, uh, is here. Her name is Cheryl Ladd, and she's a Hollywood actress, and many of you know her for all the films and stuff that she's done over the years, and she's here to simply share her story. But before she comes out, and after we show you this, we're going to put our hands together uh, for our good friend Cheryl, but I want you to take a look at this. Once upon a time, there were three little girls who went to the police academy. Two in Los Angeles. The other in San Francisco. But I took them away from all that. And now they work for me. My name is Charlie. Well, I'm here. 
It's me. Who? <laughs> Chris. Chris Monroe. Ladies and gentlemen, back for a return visit. Cheryl Ladd. Yeah. You tasted new ultra bright toothpaste. Let's put our hands together for Cheryl Ladd for being with us today. Come on out, Cheryl. They're lovely people, aren't they? Yes, I like hey. all the red. Yeah. So, so Cheryl, we're gonna like um, t just kind of tell your story today. And um, the the first question um, that uh, that we want to ask you during the Charlie's Angels uh, season, five episodes, five seasons, uh, 110 episodes. Um, Charlie always spoke to you guys through a little speaker box, kind of like ancient speaker box. Yes. And, well, this is 2023, and we've upgraded to Alexa. Okay. And so uh, instead of Charlie, we're going to have Alexa ask you the first question. Alexa, what's the first question? Charlie's Angel, which ran for five seasons with 110 episodes, was more than a hit show. It was really culture shaping for women with the rise of feminism. Tell us about this experience for you and how your faith guided you. Okay, that's the first question, all right? We're going to ask you about <laughs> Charlie's Angels. We're going to start there. I want to read something, though, from a gal named Camille Paglia, an American academic and social critic, said, Charlie's Angels was an effervescent action-adventure show showing smart, bold women working side-by-side in fruitful collaboration. That's pretty, that's a mouthful, right? So the, nice, I want to ask you, I like it. that's pretty good, right? So the first question I want to ask you is, um, what is the most photographed pose in the world next to only Rodin's thinker? That is it. <laughs> that is a true statement. It's the second it most... Is pose uh, in in the world I, I have photographs sent to me all the time people saying they were in China they were in Japan they were in South America the, and everybody's doing the Charlie's Angels pose it's quite amazing how people fell in love with the show and I fell in love with the show and part of it was because I got to play all these I didn't have to just be Chris Monroe I had a, a funny accent, a Swedish accent, playing all these undercover characters. And I was a, like a biker girl, and I was a clown at a circus. I think what kept me interested in, in the show was all the challenges yeah. of being these other people and pulling it off and doing Because initially, things. when Aaron Spelling approached you, you said... No, I don't think it's for me. Who would do such a thing? A really crazy person. <laughs> yeah. So he approached you and you just thought it was too silly and whatever. I, I didn't really get what the show was about. I don't think I had seen anything but a clip or two of it. And I was, at that point, I had been studying for many years in, in Hollywood. I was a kind of seven-year overnight success. And I had been going to my acting classes. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I was taking myself seriously. I wanted really good, rich parts, and um, it seemed kind of, I don't know, 
And, well, I was really stupid because, <laughs> and lucky because he, Aaron looked for uh, the replacement for Farah for probably two months. And eventually I saw him in a restaurant one evening, Palm Restaurant, and uh, went over and said hello. And he called me the next morning. He said, Cheryl, I don't understand. I want you on the show. Can we just come and talk to me? I said, of course I'll come and talk to you. I'd worked for him several times. And um, I respected him. And he said, just tell me why you don't want to do the show. I said, well, Aaron, nobody, it's not going to work. Who, who can replace Farah? Farah's the it girl. She's, I mean, I, and he, he said, I said, well, if I could be funny. And he said, why couldn't you be funny? And I said, oh, I could be funny. Um, and if, if I could be like uh, the real rookie and I tried really hard because all of us, America loves rooting for the underdog. He said, I love that. And then he said, in his genius, I've got it. You'll be Farah's little sister. You're already part of the family. And I said, I'm in. That is a good story, right? Okay, so you talked about some of the fun parts for you, playing all these undercover and your yes. Swedish accent. We won't have you do that today. Uh, but Thank you. <laughs> uh, there, there's, uh, there's one particular scene that you, you, you slotted as one of maybe your favorites. What is that? It's one of my favorites because it was maybe one of the most ridiculous things ever, that ever happened to me on Charlie's Angels. I had to wrestle an alligator. She got to wrestle an alligator. Maybe yes. you saw the scene, maybe you didn't, but we have it for you here. Oh. hilarious right okay right now the little known secret is the alligator is plastic <laughs> it's not a real alligator don't try this at home uh no. let's talk about um <laughs> at looking back now you're on on four of the five uh seasons only Jacqueline Smith was on all five of yes. them yes. uh what as looking back what is what is the best part that as you look back about being on the show well, Jacqueline and I are still very close friends. We see each other all the time and talk to each other for hours sometimes on the telephone. It's just wonderful to have not just that experience and, and working with her. She did it all five seasons. And, you know, she, she's just a wonderful lady. And a follower and, of Jesus and herself. a follower of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. that's We have that cool. in common. Yeah, um, but, but a, lot of, um, a lot of actors, actresses, have a big show like this and then that's it they're kind of one and done but uh you went on Th this gave you the platform to do a lot more it did i kind of underestimated um i thought for a minute that would hinder me but but quite the opposite happened i got a lot of opportunities to do a lot of other films and um, like a total of 78 films yeah. and other things and still and working with some great actors give John us a couple of ideas Voight, John Voight uh -huh, huh? and uh, Michael Caine and um, Dean, Dean Martin, Martin. Mm -hmm. yeah Dean Martin. that's pretty cool and yeah. you even met Betty Betty Davis I got to meet Betty Davis yeah so maybe one of the greatest actresses of all time all times yeah uh, but you also oh wait yeah I forgot to tell you I got to meet Katherine Hepburn. 
Catherine Hepburn. I went to a play she was in in in, uh, in San Francisco, and after the play was over, her her publicist said, "Would you like to come back and meet her?" And I'm like. I almost started crying. I said, yes, and um, got to meet her. And she took my hand, held her, held my hand and said, my dear, you are a marvelous actress. <laughs> and I started to cry. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite movies after this is because the royal family gave you permission to play Grace Kelly. Yes. yes. That was an amazing that opportunity. Amazing. But not only the, the opportunity for you, but the platform of Charlie's Angels gave you another opportunity to be a spokesperson. Yes, yes. Tell us about that. Um, about the... Jordan was probably about three when this happened, and she was sitting on a Saturday morning. It was quiet. She was playing with her toys down there, and I was reading the newspaper. And I closed this, and I saw on a square outlined darkly, father kills child. And it's as if I was struck by lightning. I, I read this, and I went, well, what? What? Can, how can this be happening in our country? What? I was a love child. I was a cherished child. I, I had loving parents who loved each other. I, I, I could hardly process it. So I, I was so concerned about it, I started really investigating about what was going on and found out that child abuse was an epidemic in it's our country and no one was really talking about it. Last page, little paragraph. And I said, there's something, I've got to do something about this. And um, I was on the Dinah Shore show. I, I got to make a movie um, for ABC called uh, When She Was Bad. It's something we developed, and I wanted to play the child abuser. It was an interesting meeting with the big boys at, at ABC when I told them. They said, we'd like you to make a movie for us. I said, great. I know just the movie I want to make, and I explained it to them, and I said, it's a movie about child abuse, and I want to play the child abuser, and all those big boys were like this. Crickets. That, crickets, that's kind of not what we had in mind for you. I said, I understand, but I'm, they didn't have me for any contract other than Charlie's Angels. So I said, I'll, I, I, I understand it's going to be a difficult and interesting and challenging pro project, but I'm determined to get it made, so I will be going to another network. And they said, wait now. Um, I talked them into it, so we made When She Was Bad, and I, it was one of the one of the very first movies uh, dealing with child help in the country. And um, when I was on Dinah Shore show to promote the movie, at the end I said, "Dinah, can I say something into the camera?" She said, "Oh, honey, you say whatever you want." I loved her; she was a great lady. Um, so I looked in the camera and I said, "If there's anyone out there." fighting child abuse in this country. Please contact me because I want to help. And that I have been working with Child Help, which is the, one of the biggest, um, they have two facilities where they, they take children in. And um, they, I mean, they, they have a, a hotline number. They, they do a million things. I, I have spoken to senators. I've had meetings with, with them to, to, to help, uh, have the government help and really understand what's going on in our country. So I've been with them for 44 years. 44 years, 40 years as an advocate, yeah. using that platform yes. to really help abuse yes. kids. I mean, that's uh, using that as a, as a good thing. Okay, so we got the Charlie's thing, Angels thing out of the way. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about, let's, go, let's take the story of your life and let's go, let's start with the sort of birth 
to 17, the early years. Tell us kind of where you came from well, I, and all of that. I had loving parents, and, and they were teenagers when they got married, interestingly enough, and had a wonderful relationship their entire lives. And so I was a loved child. I had a sister and two young brothers, and um, an idyllic uh, place to grow up, South Dakota, although I hate winter. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't complain. I hate it. Um, anyway, um, it was a wonderful place to grow up, and I went to Sunday school. Uh, sometimes my dad would be away. He was an engineer on the Chicago Northwestern Railroad, and he would be away for weeks at a time, and often he would come back on a Saturday, and so mom and dad wanted Sunday to themselves. So my sister and I, in our little Sunday best, would, would walk to Sunday school. It was only a few blocks away from our house, and I loved Sunday school, and um, uh, God was very real for me, and Often, as I was growing up, I was a real tomboy. I climbed trees and rode bikes and played baseball. And I was just, I, I was a very physical child and uh, took dancing lessons. I wanted a piano, but my parents couldn't afford it. So she said, how about dancing lessons? I think I can afford that. And I said, okay, good, dancing lessons. That, that helps. That's, that's right up my alley. I saw a movie um, called Pollyanna. Haley Mills was in, I'm sure many of you have seen it. And when I saw it, I said, I can do that. That's who I am, singing, dancing, acting. That's me. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to pursue. So in, uh, early in your life, you had the sense of why you were here on earth. Yes. You I climbed a tree and talked to God about it. Yeah. I had a conversation, a full-blown conversation. God, this is what I want to do. I'm feeling like this is what you want me to do. And, you know, I'm in. <laughs> so with that Pollyanna faith attitude, yes. you make your way 17 to Hollywood. Yeah. So let's talk about 17 to 27. You call these years the be careful what you wish for years. Yes. Okay. And uh, you said to me that you were ill-equipped for Hollywood. Tell us what you mean by that. Hollywood is a strange bird because when you're get starting to get, I, my very first job I got in Hollywood was uh, Josie and the Pussycats. I was the singing voice of Melody in the cartoon series. And I had two girlfriends that we became friends. They were part of the show and we got an apartment together and I got uh, three of us together in a two-bedroom apartment and I got a used Mustang car and I'm driving down Sunset Boulevard going, I made it. Doesn't get any better than this. Um, it got a lot worse, actually. Yeah. Um, success isn't always your friend. Yeah, so you're, you're going there. You're naive. You're working really, really hard. Really no one hard. else is paying the bills. This is hard. You're going to all of these auditions, getting a lot of rejections. A lot of rejections. And getting this or that. So you're just really working hard, and little by little, kind of like the frog in the kettle, you just, they just turned up the heat a little by little, and next thing you know, you're boiling, right? Yes. You kind of lost your way. Lost my way. I had, I had at that time, success on Charlie's Angels. I was, it was, I was a, a big deal, successful, and I was so unhappy. Uh. Uh, my marriage was falling apart. It, I didn't, I couldn't figure out who I was anymore. Yeah. I'm not Chris Monroe. But I'm not Cheryl Jean Stoppelmore either, you know. I, I, it was very hard. I had kind of a breakdown. I, I wouldn't come out of the room. I had to close all the doors and keep everybody away from me. For a couple of days, I stayed in that room, weeping and crying and praying. And 
I just really realized that that spotlight that was on me was in the wrong place, that I needed to put my spotlight on Jesus, and I needed his help desperately. Wow. And um, got a divorce. Uh, That didn't work. And it it was very painful to be divorced and have a little child. Well, you got married, uh, and your faith was kind of on the side burner. You you do it. So much so that, that I said... Well, we have to make an, you know, find a find a, a time where we can baptize Jordan, our daughter. And he goes, "What? I'm Jewish. Isn't that awful? Yeah. I mean, that's how unconnected we actually were because we were on that Hollywood treadmill. Everything was about that, and the fact that <laughs> as a believer, you I'm married going, a guy that doesn't like what? Jesus. What?" <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty far and gone, I said, man. you've never gone to synagogue. You've never gone to... The... He said, yeah, but I'm, I'm a Jew. Yeah. I, okay. Whoa. And so... And <laughs> that so was a th- that's... huge awakening as well. And I like that because uh, we were chatting, uh, you, you know, while, you know, um, you know, that was an unfortunate deal. You really put it back on yourself. You got yourself into a situation where you were not equally yoked with a person Correct. that loved Jesus. And uh, you tried to make it work, but it fell apart. You hit a wall. You're in a room. You're crying out to God. You're trying to come back. But you, there, during that whole time, though, you had many, as you're looking back, many times when God was trying to get your attention to get you back. Tell me, tell me one story. Oh, man. So I went to see my manager, and I liked his wife very much. And I hadn't talked to her for a while, and I was driving past their house, I was parked the car on this side of the street, walked across the street, up to their house, went in, had a nice visit with her. Carol, what's her name? Sweet lady. And uh, then I had to get back. I had things to do. And as I'm walking back to my car, I'm about to step into the street. And behind me, I hear, Cheryl, just like that. And like somebody was standing right behind me. I whipped around. There was no one there. And a car going about 80 miles an hour, about a foot away from the curb, went. Uh-huh. And, ooh, I, I got the tingle again. <laughs> Just thinking about that moment that an angel was sent for me. Yeah. It wasn't my time. And it was kind of terrifyingly wonderful. Yeah. And... That really moved me. I mean, I could be in that moment like yesterday, but what happened? No, I got right back on that treadmill, yeah. you know, work, 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 get this, get this, get yeah, this. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people listening today, um, you know, God is trying to get your attention. Yeah. And he's doing things like this for you, and you need to stop and pay attention. And so Cheryl's admitting God tried to do that several times so, in yeah. magnanimous ways, and... Uh, yeah, you said no. Okay, so now you are, um, you, you've hit rock bottom, and uh, your marriage, marriage, is, marriage over. is over, and you tried, but it didn't work, you, yeah, and then, uh, but God brings a friend into your life. Tell yes. us about that. Um, when David and I were married, we uh, met some people through David Foster, the wonderful, uh, David Foster was my rehearsal piano player, and, yeah, mine and, too. and, <laughs> 
anyway, great guy. And he, he has a, he was from Canada. So he had a whole group of Canadian friends. And when I was very pregnant with Jordan, I met uh, Brian Russell and Brenda Russell, songwriters, singers on Elton John's label and had albums of their own. And I became fans of theirs. Um, at some point, several years later, they divorced. And several years after they divorced, David and I divorced. And you know how, certainly when people were friends going through stuff, you have them over the house and you talk it through and you know, you're know you there for your friends. Well, Brian was a friend and I had other friends and often we'd get a, this little group of us together and just talk and hang out or play charades or do, do something. Um, and often in the evening, people would wander away, and Brian and I would just be sitting there talking and talking and talking and talking. And one night I'm talking, and I'm looking at him going, he's, he's really cute. <laughs> he's so nice. He's got such a good heart. Because I also had the opportunity to observe him with his year-and-a-half-old daughter. And Okay, the hair was not good. Yeah. But she was clean and yeah, in cute, yeah. nice clothes, and he would take her with him everywhere. And watched. I got to watch him be a dad and all of that, and all of a sudden it, it happened. We just we kind of came together, and nobody was more surprised than we were, really. And uh, we got married, and we've been married for 42 Years. 42 years, right? Yeah. yeah, that's good, right? 42 years. In Hollywood, that's not easy. But before you got married, that's right. This time around, you have a come to Jesus meeting with Brian, who's Correct. a great friend of mine as well. Yes. His guy. dad was a minister and he sang in the church and all so of that. So he did the same thing. He, he kind of did the way. same thing. He kind of got Mr. Rock and Roll and crazy um, and kind of grew through that. But yeah, bless his heart. I said, okay. My answer to get of getting married is yes. However, there's a stipulation. A stipulation, and he said, "Okay, what's that?" I said, "I want to go back to church. I want to be in church. I want a relationship with the Lord, and that that's a make or break." And he said, "I couldn't agree more. I want to go back to church, and I wanted, and we have, we've we've been churchgoers from the moment we got together." Yeah, and and you would call the last 42 years which that's the only season I've known you in, um, personally, uh, that the God factor is the difference factor. Is the absolute difference factor. I mean, everybody's life has bumps and scrapes, and it's not always perfect. And, you know, marriage isn't always perfect. But because God was so much a part of who we were together, that when we were in trouble, we prayed to him. We had a friend. And, you know, just like I said, that spotlight on me. No, this, as soon as we both put, when we're in trouble, we put the spotlight on him and, and find our way and get through tough things. And he's, God is just so great. He's and, and, so and great. Have you found God's word to be reliable in your life? T completely. Yeah. I mean, completely. Just surprising, wonderful gifts and ways of, of, feeling, I, I don't know how to really explain it. There was a time when I was this child and knew for sure who I was talking to. And I feel that way again. I know that when I need, I need to be the childlike person. I need to be open and ready to listen 
to what he has to tell me. Yeah. And that has been the most wonderful experience. Often in my backyard, I have a little bench and trees, and it's very kind of surrounded by trees and quiet. And sometimes when I get really anxious or something's not going right or, you know, a friend of mine is hurting or whatever, I go out to my little bench and I sit there and I just start talking. I just, out loud, I just start talking to God and asking for guidance and help and praise and all the anxiety that I was feeling just goes away. Yeah. And I just feel this calm. Like it's, it's going to be all right. And, and he, I, I was heard. I was seriously heard. And it, I, I'm still that little girl that climbed the tree to talk to God. Yeah. I'm, st I'm her again. Yeah. And that's a blessing. That's a great place to be. We, we don't have time to talk about it. Um, but let's just <laughs> suffice it to say that Hollywood is not kind to serious followers of Jesus. They're not that enthusiastic about it, no. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll just leave it at that because I want to make sure we have time for this last question. And that is, um, uh, what advice, we have a lot of students in the room today, what advice would you give to everybody, but particularly our students and particularly our girls uh, when they're struggling with their identity and all of that in this crazy mixed up world? What are some pieces of advice well, you would give them? first of all, I mean... Turn off the machines. Don't go on Instagram. Don't go on all I mean, I do Instagram. It's part of my career. But, you know, talk one-on-one -on -one to people, people that are open, people that love Jesus, people that are there, really there for you because he's there for you. And sometimes you need a little village to come around you because being a young woman today is very difficult. And my first thing is beauty is fleeting. Trust me, I don't run around in bikinis anymore. <laughs> I got a few wrinkles, but I, I get to play grandma parts now, and I love it. Um, it. That life is full, and life is and your life is a precious gift, and God is there for you. All you have to do is ask, and don't don't be in competition in any level. God made you. There's only one you. You're a precious single. God made person with a soul that belongs to him, if you're lucky, if you talk to him, if you put the spotlight on him, and he'll help you, and your friends will help you, and don't be, don't let anybody, this is my last line, don't let anybody steal your, your sunshine, don't let anybody do that, because your sunshine is your connection to God. Yeah. Keep that good sunlight in your... He's, he's the one that washes it clean. He's the one that lifts you up when you're feeling really down. I cannot tell you how I went from praying child to lost, craziness, didn't know who I was, lost my entire belief in myself in the true way and got back to God and... Praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Lord. So it's, uh, uh, you, would, you would probably say that God will never give up on you. Don't give up on him. Absolutely. Great. Even better. Yeah. Don't let anybody yeah. well, take I'm your I'm a preacher. Sunshine. You're just an actress. Um, <laughs> you are a preacher, Yeah. Eddie. So um, I have the last question. Okay. Uh, and that is, who baptized you? Well, when I was an infant and didn't know it was happening, my parents. But when we went to Israel... 
Your pastor baptized me in a river Jordan. Yeah, come on now. Let's give it up for Cheryl Ladd. Come on. Love you. <laughs> So I hope that has been just a visual image of of courage for you in your life that uh, to not take a break on God, but to trust in him. And uh, we're going to enter into a time of worship now. And during this time of worship, for the fourth and final time, we're going to give you an opportunity to sort of viscerally, you know, determine where you are at in your walk and to be completely honest with where you're at in the journey. We love you. We want to help you continue to move forward wherever you're at, but just, just be honest with God, where you're at with him and his word. And there's these um, cards that are available in multiple stations um, around the auditorium at Speedway and the South Sanctuary. And I know some of you have gotten them already, uh, but the first uh, card is uh, called My Way. You know, you say, you know, as much as I've, you've tried, Randy, you still haven't convinced me. I'm just not there yet. I'm just going to go it my way. I am not turning my authority over to not nobody. And, uh, and I'm going to say that's okay, but just be honest. And grab this card, and there is a scripture passage for you to meditate on. And then um, the next one is buffet. And that is, uh, you know what? Um, I, I love a lot of scriptures that encourage me and pump me up. Uh, but then there's just I'm not willing to go all in with God, and uh, I'm going to just stay in charge of my life. But I will buffet. I will pick and choose. And that's where probably the majority of American Christians are. And if that's where you're at, just be honest and grab that card and there's a scripture for you. And the final one is all in. And I was super excited because uh, in the previous weeks, we've had to replace all the buffet cards. But last week, we had to replace all the all in cards, you know, and and it's aspirational, right? That's pretty cool, right? I mean, people are making a shift and uh, that's the best thing we can do. And and, uh, I'm all in, I'm telling you, but I don't I'm not perfectly all in. It's aspirational, but I put my full trust in God's word, and we want the same for you. Maybe you're there today, and there's a scripture for you to be meditating on as well. So as we engage in worship, uh, just move to one of these tables. No one's watching you. Uh, Pick the card that most represents where you are at. Let's be standing. Father, now we invite your spirit uh, to room freely in this room in the south sanctuary to all the folks that are watching online in our speedway campus let your word speak to us personally about our walk with you in jesus name amen